Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow. My name is Jason Duff, IBM North American Oil and Gas Lead, hosting the show today. I also have Jim Kosas. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, Jason. How are things? Good. 104 degrees. Is there any rain coming? I don't know, but the good news is it feels like 110, so we call it a wet heat, I suppose. For a Scotsman, this is very hot, but even for an American or a Texan, this is very, very hot as well, right? It's just crazy. Indeed, if I had my druthers, I'd uh, be up in Colorado right about now. So talk about Colorado. Great. Look at us. We've never done this before, have we? So today, Jim, I've, um, I've invited a guest on Veronica Wild from Western Colorado University. Hello, Veronica. How is it going, gentlemen? Very good. So Jim, referring to Colorado, you mean it's cooler up there? Or it's just cooler, cooler? or Cooler and beautiful from uh, every memory I have of it. <laughs> So, Veronica, how is it in Colorado today? Are you cooler than Texas, surely? Yes, I am a lot cooler. We've been lucking out with some afternoon rainstorms, which has been nice. I will say, a couple weeks ago when I was in Texas, I made the mistake of underestimating that humidity with the temperature, (laughs) and I opted for an outdoor seat. And I made it about halfway through my lunch, and I moved everything back inside. (laughs) Melted cheese and ham sandwiches. Yeah, so I feel for you guys out there. So, Veronica, let's introduce yourself of who you are and who's Western Colorado University, please. Alrighty. So, my name's Veronica Wild. I handle external communications for an AAPL accredited program that's housed at Western Colorado University. Western itself is a four-year public liberal arts university that's located up in Gunnison, Colorado, right outside of Crested Butte, a pretty well-known ski town. Our school is about 3,000 students, undergrad and grad combined, and our program is a privately funded program housed within the public university structure. So although we're wrapped into Western, we really luck out, particularly in the last three to five years, by being able to lean on private industry out of the Denver area. So my position's a little unique. I'm not located in Gunnison, Colorado anymore. I did my first five years with the university in Gunnison. I did my undergrad, the graduate program through Western as well, and then took on a position with just this last October, relocated out to Denver with the growth of the program with a focus on expanding some of our external partnerships. And when we met last year, Veronica, that was in NAEP, where you had your 20, 30 students around you, and that's we got some people on the pod. That was fantastic. That was really... Well, remind me again why the, the students go there as part of the university curriculum or? Yeah, so NAEP is luckily an event that we've been able to maintain given our private structure of the program. So we host a fundraiser in order to pay for our students to be able to go on this all expense paid trip out to NAEP in particular. The AAPL does a phenomenal job at supporting universities to be able to get out there as well. And this year we took our largest group, which was phenomenal. And so we used to have this rule kind of that we only took our juniors and seniors. And when I moved into the position, I said, I can see what happens to a freshman when they sit in an area like NAEP, surrounded by that level of intellectualism, that sense of community that you get from NAEP, 
right? And it just is this massive click in their understanding of our industry. And so when we kind of had that realization after bringing a couple of freshmen out a few years ago, we just kind of put the pedal to the metal on fundraising for that. So every year we can pull it off and hopefully get that 10 to 15, 20 student mark out there. Jim, you should have seen these people. I don't think you were at Nate with me, but when Veronica and I met, these people were fantastic. Just, you know, really deep, really wanting to get into oil and gas, really get into industry. It was great, great skills, Jim. Yeah, it's always exciting to see kind of the next generation of talent, you know, starting to think about where they're going to be in a couple of years, you know, what kind of career they want to have, and the excitement that events like Nate provide them with. Curious, Veronica, what are the key kind of major skills that you're seeing, and how has that maybe changed over the last couple of years from your perspective? I'm not sure necessarily that the skills have changed alongside the industry. And I always try and lead with that in communication, right? Our students are being placed in the energy sector. And this energy sector, energy industry as a whole, is how we communicate about our program. And so when you break down the skill sets, right, into this division of hard skills and soft skills, we're really looking at the basics, land acquisition, negotiation, title examination, legal and regulatory knowledge, research and due diligence, financial analysis, GIS and mapping, right? That's the bulk of our hard skills that are associated with the program. On the soft skills side of it, I think is really where we hit the nail on the head with our students and what makes them stand out amongst their peers from other AAPL accredited programs and from other programs that are placing within the energy industry, whether it be traditionals or renewables. And those are communication skills, right? Making sure students can interact with people in industry in a way that they're comfortable doing and that makes them feel like they're part of a community. Problem solving, adaptability, time management, attention to detail, right? So when you look at it from just a hard skill and a soft skill perspective, these students could be placed anywhere. And as long as you refine those skills, they realize that they have the ability to choose from this swath of different jobs across traditional and renewable energy sectors. And so trying to change this conversation from a you versus us to a we're all in this together Mm. and the skills are the same, right? I don't care if you're putting solar panels up or if you're about to lay acreage for a rig to go on site. The basics of that are going to be exactly the same. Figuring out kind of when people have moved from the traditional into the renewable, the skill set gap that they thought they were missing during that transition, and then implementing that in a reintegrated way through our curriculum. And then I told Jason before you hopped on, Jim, (laughs) another big part of it was like oil and gas. Like everything it says oil and gas on, get rid of it. Replace it with the word energy. And that's not because our students are going to go into this side or this side, or that there's even this side or this side. It's more so that we need to be able to start the conversation with them. I think we've gotten this hard skill and soft skill mix up pretty hard happening at public liberal arts universities. And we're really lucky in that our program is housed in the School of Business. The hard skills our students are starting their curriculum with are the hard skills that they would need to go into any industry. And that's a big difference, I think, outside of how a lot of energy programs are structured. Cool. That's really interesting because I think it's probably music to a lot of people's ears down here in Houston to hear that these are the types of skills that are coming out of university. Mm -hmm. These are exactly the types of skills. And also this idea that even that they can be transferable to 
the needs of the future, right? Because I think that's maybe a concern that I think some of the young people that we talk to have is, you know, I have a good understanding of what this looks like today, but what is this going to look like in 10 years, right? And where do I want to place my bets? And I think the messaging where you can get more of this out there that those skills remain the same and albeit there may be some modest changes over time, that's fine, but you're uniquely positioned to be able to have a career in this industry and in the future. So, Jim, it gets even better because, Veronica, correct me if I'm wrong, when you and I spoke earlier, you've got the largest class you've ever had and actually the, even then the largest female percentage, correct? Am I right? Yes. We are welcoming our largest incoming class in over a decade and our largest female class ever. A huge part of that is due to what I was saying. You know, private industry is really the vehicle of our success and being able to grow the program the last few years. When they brought me on, we had nine students and this year we'll be up in the 60s, which we are the fastest growing AAPL program in the United States right now. And when you put our little 3000 student number university-wide next to some of these big giants, particularly over in the state you two are housed in, right? That's a pretty huge success for us as a program. How did that come about, Veronica? Was it kind of targeted marketing? Was it identifying kind of potential careers that drew in a greater female kind of percentage or something else? Because I think it's something that everyone's looking at, but I don't know if as many folks have been successful as you all have been in hitting those types of numbers. So I think traditionally, particularly APL accredited schools, right, we can line up those enrollment numbers alongside the price per barrel of oil, and they will fall and drop exactly how barrel of oil <laughs> prices drop and fall and rise and et cetera. And so I think getting that out of our brains and saying it's not relevant anymore, we shouldn't be looking at this as a, it's okay, it's going to come back because legislation's changing mentalities are changing, bias is changing an annual basis. And the level that seeps down to is further than you and I in conversation, right? It's being taught K through 12, et cetera. And so a big part of it was one, figuring out how to talk about what we do as a program. I graduated from Western with a business law and sociology degree. I didn't have a great advisor and I bounced around trying to kind of figure (laughs) out what classes I needed to graduate. And I love the combination of my degrees, but if somebody would have grabbed me halfway through and said, this is an energy management degree you're putting together on your own, (laughs) um, I probably would have just gone into energy management, right? And so we talked about Nate at the beginning of this. The whole reason I kind of fell into this position is because Jessica, the director, was going on maternity leave and her maternity leave took place a little earlier than expected. And she called me a year into my employment at Western and said, hey, I have six or seven students going out to NAEP next week, and I really need somebody from the university to go with them. I know you don't know our program that well, but can you fly out to Houston and go with these students? And so my first interaction with the program at a university I had gotten both my undergraduate and graduate degree from was flying out to NAEP with six students. And I came back from that just pretty mind blown about the industry and how amazing of a community it was. And even more mind blown at the quality of students that I had out Mm. in Texas. And so when I took the position with Jessica, I said, there is this massive segment of students that might not walk through the door their freshman year and say, I want to land in the energy sector, but they sure as heck are here to get a degree that has a return on investment. And that is what our program specializes in, regardless of what area of energy you go into. We've maintained a 100% placement rate for students wanting and eligible for internships and jobs 
for almost eight years running. And so we Fantastic. will get you a job. We will oh, get you placed. One more time, Veronica. Did you say 100% placement? Yes, for wanting and eligible students. Outstanding. That's fantastic. The root of it was we'll get our students jobs. We'll make sure you get through and feel like you're part of a community while you're on campus and when you enter into the career workforce. And then the numbers piece of it came in, right? If we're going to grow this program, Jessica and I alongside one another, we have to lean on this private advisory board because the state legislature is changing on an annual basis. Our university was going through an administrative change at the president and the dean level. And so these 13 individuals in Denver helped us brainstorm how to attract more students. And the basis of it was incentivization via scholarships. I paid my way through college. I know there are students that need help. (laughs) And so we launched PDC Energy Weekend, which was and is our most successful recruitment event to date. PDC was really the spearhead behind that of helping us pull this off, right? They supplied us with funding for $150,000 plus of scholarships. We did the outreach through the university and brought in 20 high school seniors, all interested in pursuing energy education that all had above a 3.5 GPA. And we invited them out to Gunnison for the weekend. PDC sent four employees to Gunnison for the weekend who presented an energy challenge from a global perspective to this group of 20 students alongside 15 current students. And they worked until two in the morning in the school of business, putting together a pitch for why they thought that they should win as a group. The next morning, we did an interdisciplinary competition with programs from around campus, all the PDC reps and our current students. And then that night at dinner, all of these students were awarded the scholarship money (laughs) and the phone calls to moms, they're crying. You know, PDC people were absolutely thrilled. And on the flip side of it, the first year, We got a little over 70% of those students this year. We're getting 17 out of 20 of them that attended the event. And that is the reason that we have our largest income in class, right? So we did targeting marketing, targeted marketing just for this group of students, but they're very high quality students that we're banking on retention with. That's like fantastic results, right? I mean, just kind of almost takes my breath away just to consider all of that. I want to maybe flip the perspective for you and ask you, What can the industry do better, right, to attract the students? So you've done a great job kind of funneling folks to your program and getting them motivated and excited. But what does a good partner from an industry perspective look like to you? I would say through two different lenses, right? We are a program that requires private funding to be able to attract and retain these students. The other massive piece of it is professional development for our students. So we host mock interviews partnered with industry. And last year, industry performed over 80 mock interviews for our students, right? Considering we have less than 50 students in our program, that's massive. Yeah, Every single student had the opportunity to get onto a calendar, to sign up and to do a mock interview with somebody in industry. I set up a resume review committee, right? That was a group of individuals on the front range that I could just send out a package of resumes to. And when they had free time, they ripped through them and they sent them back to me. In any personal connection you can be having with an energy-focused program is one of them. As far as vernacular and communication, we have to talk about what we're doing, right? I was in agricultural commodities before I moved into this role. And I thought I loved that industry, you know, it's like <laughs> beans and rice. So it's a little bit harder to say you love, but... At the end of the day, the energy industry is by far one of the most welcoming 
and open-minded and progressive communities I've ever been privy to be part of. And the more we talk about that and the more we share it with other people, the more we're moving the ball forward as a team. Yeah. I think you're touching on this same as Jim. It's the same as what Veronica and I were saying before you came on was there's so much more that we could do or help with as well. I just feel like why wouldn't a lot more of us this year try and help with, you know, like we said, Veronica, why couldn't we give a podcast to some of the students to run this, you know, to get onto their LinkedIn or into their own social to actually help them, et cetera. There's so many things that we could definitely help with. Definitely fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, a NAEP interaction, that's the big event where we get to travel out of state. But our local organization, the DAPL, they're phenomenal at involving our students in the golf tournament. They're clay shoe. I'm competing with our students in a couple of weeks. The young professionals in energy. So the different organizations, particularly housed out here on the front range, have been a great leg of support for the program as well. Yeah. So you had a golf event in a couple of months time as well, didn't you? Or even a walk over the golf course if you didn't play golf. There you go. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So that's being charged by our student club. Every year we give them an opportunity to fundraise for their student club to fulfill their own initiatives over the school year, right? So they volunteer at the local food shelter. They volunteer at the senior citizen home. They host multiple food drives on campus, the art center, et cetera. And all these little things take a little bit of money here and there. And so if they could bring in three to $5,000 off of our golf tournament, they're pretty set for the whole year, right? To just be able to get done their volunteer hours. And three years ago was my first time hosting the golf tournament on behalf of the program. A month and a half before it, I found out I was running it. I'd never been to a golf tournament. <laughs> um, I'd never hosted one, definitely. And so we had a good year. I had to throw in a lot of students as volunteers that year. And we had a table vendor not show up, right? That was going to hole, but it was going to be placed on a hole. And so I talked to our student club and I said, if you guys sit at this table for this company, half of what you fundraise off of this will go directly into the student club instead of you having to petition for our budget, right? Beautiful. So they just took the reins and they kicked butt two years ago. Last year, I said, if you want your own table and you want to come up with your own fundraising initiative at the golf tournament, I'll give you your own hole. But you have to pitch to me a week before the golf tournament and you're going to get a yes or no because I'm not going to put you out there, you know, if you're going to act all silly or something. And sure enough, they crushed it again. And so this year they kind of thought it through even further and decided to host a walk alongside our golf tournament. And the last time I played at this golf course, I had eight turkeys on the second hole. I had an elk on hole six and I had a doe on hole nine. So it is a beautiful course for them to be hosting that on. And it will get more people out there a day out to support us. There you go, Jim. I think that we need to head north. Indeed. Next month to do that one. Definitely. Well, do you know the date, Veronica, off the top of your head? I do. I'll give you the full pitch if you'd like. Yeah, it go on, do it. <laughs> it is September 18th, hosted at Arrowhead Golf Course with an 8 a.m. shotgun start. And we are getting up there for our numbers. So I'm expecting our registration to be filled out here in the next two or three weeks. IBM, I can't so speak for, but Jim, I'll tell you that Chevron is one of our top sponsors at this year's golf tournament. Chevron. <laughs> Good to know that. And Jason and I will have to look at our travel plans and, you know, make sure we uh, get the clubs ready. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. I'm not sure about the elk on the eighth or the ninth hole. That's slightly worrying. I can't cover around that huge elk, but there you go. <laughs> Jason, I'm from Alaska. We just respond how we do with moose, you know, get, get bigger, make <laughs> yourself bigger. <laughs> Shouldn't be hard to do, Jason. Shouldn't no, no, be hard to do. <laughs> Six or five Scotsmen already. We'll be able to fight a moose or an elk. There you go. 
And what about alumni? Has it been long enough where you can have people coming back and helping the students as well, Veronica? Is that helping? Because that's surely that over the next couple of years and as they grow and this would be a great way of making sure Western Colorado University is known and we get more people investing in it. Yeah, so I think that we're about to get over that little curve, right? Our program began in 2008, so we aren't that long of a running program, right, compared to some of our Texas schools. That being said, the other day I looked up how many alumni we've graduated out of the program, and this next year we'll pass over 200. So 200 students since 2008, and obtaining a lot of those contact info and figuring out where everybody landed in the last few years was a big push at the beginning of me taking over this position, just kind of going, I know we have all these students that have graduated. I don't know what percentage of them are even still in industry, how many are in Texas versus Denver, Kansas, we have some in as well. And so I shared with you at the beginning of this, you know, in the last year in particular, our alumni groups are becoming more active. We have Ashley Beal of BTA Oil, she's hosting alumni happy hours out in Midland. We have Levi Green hosting alumni happy hours in Houston. And then our Denver group, I found out this summer, we have approximately 67 Denver alumni still in industry in Denver, Nice, which is great to hear. And so I've been taking them out in groups by company, which has been really fun. I said, whatever you want to do, if you want to go out to lunch, that's great. If you want to go to Top Golf, that's great. I don't care. I just want to get you guys all together. And so we had an anonymous sponsor sponsor two foursomes for our alumni this year. And so even on the interactive side, we're trying to get them involved with the program a little bit more because I think given our fluctuations of recruitment numbers, you know, they've just not had as many touch points as perhaps they should have at one point. And what's the percentage they go from, let's say, Oklahoma, stay in Colorado and Texas, just roughly in in terms of as they go out to the energy sector? What's your... I would say across all of our alumni, I would place it probably at around 20% are out in Texas at this point, a little under 60% of them still in industry. And when I say industry, I'm talking traditional industry. Now, figuring out that group of students or alumni, so apologies, that have moved Mm -hmm. from traditional into renewables this last year was just a lot of outreach to renewable energy companies. And I don't know if you guys could imagine how that goes, but to give you a precursor, right, I would choose 10 solar companies in New Mexico. And I didn't know if I was showing up at a building or if I was showing up to somebody's garage, right? (laughs) (laughs) So the dog-eat-dog world just hasn't played out right on that side of the industry and figuring out where some of our students have landed on the renewable side and looping them back in. Rideau Energy has been a big one. Amp Energy has been another one has been, once we got our numbers up, we could pivot and say, all right, where'd you guys all end up? How can we involve you back in this? I mean, there's things happening in Houston, Jim, like the OGGN gathering every month, et cetera. Maybe that's something where, Veronica, if you're down next time, we get you there, or we get some of the students around. I don't mind putting some, you know, helping out, if you like, Veronica, and seeing if we can get it. Because it'd be great to get the alumni in and understand where they are, what they're doing, how do they help? Fantastic. Sorry, what's an alumni? <laughs> How, so, what sorry, do you, Jason. What do you guys call it? Sorry. <laughs> what do you call it, Veronica? I'd say alumni. Alumni. Sorry, Jason. I just had to call it out. I thought you were talking about an alloy there for a moment. Is it called <laughs> aluminium or what do you guys call it? <laughs> alumni. Aluminum. Aluminum and alumni. Aluminum. Aluminium. There you go. It's a just Scottish to... thing. Okay, good. Glad we got that resolved. <laughs> 
Just another Scottish thing, Jim. Uh, just another. Yeah. There are too many Scottish people in this industry. We'll add it to the list. Indeed. So what more, Veronica, are you going to look for in terms of this year? What are you going to do more in terms of asking for what are you doing as a university and what are you asking more from the industry? Just out of interest, as you, well, you've not started the year, right? It'll be a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, up here in about two weeks. We're really at what could be a transitional year for our program. Like I shared with you, I was just out in Dallas for the annual director's report from all 11 undergraduate programs. Across the board, they're struggling with enrollment, and we're sitting in a pretty phenomenal place right now in industry's eyes within our own university, right? A university that I think had its bumps in the road the last couple years with enrollment, the department as a whole for the School of Business. I mentioned we just brought on a new dean in July. Her specialty is program growth, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that on the front of our entire university, right? But we went from kind of being this program of nine students that nobody really understood what we were teaching. I had to figure out what we were teaching before I agreed to take the job, right, after having come from this own university. And then Jessica and I, the way I like to say it is we kind of just tucked ourselves under a hole for the last three years. And by under a hole, we mean like we just kind of acted like our entire support system was external. And when we did that, we had our moments of feeling like it was the two of us kind of climbing uphill by our fingernails. (laughs) But now we're sitting at this place of breathability. We're sitting at the largest our program's been since its inception in massive increase in enrollment comparative to the rest of the university and comfortable space. Right. But with that comes a little bit of a spotlight on us as a program. And I think this concept of energy and how it's taught at the higher education level is being brought into the conversation more, given that we had a recent legislative push for a return on investment reporting done at a state university level. I don't know how we haven't been saying, here's the return on investment you get with every program when you sign up to go to a state funded university. But With that shift in legislation, I think is going to come a shift in mentality. And the first area we saw it with was a senior out of the Environment and Sustainability Program at Western, which is housed in the School of Environment and Sustainability, did his entire senior capstone on this kind of blatant fact that you could show up at a university and end up in the same industry and never know about that other group on campus. Right. And why is that an issue? Well, it's an issue when we have some programs housed in schools of ideology and some programs housed in schools of hard skills. And why are we setting our students at a disadvantage to enter a workforce with only one set or the other set? And so he published his report on this concept of an energy center at Western, right? And we have an endowed petroleum geology position at our university that's endowed by the Moncrief family out of Texas, actually. And that is the reason that petroleum geology is still taught at Western, right? Given all of the legislative changes in our state over the last few years. Energy management, these 13 people in Denver, they came together and they said, we'll hire me. And here we are three years later now with our university saying, you're the only program that's grown at this level. You're the only program holding this placement rate percentage. And our average starting salary is definitely on the high end for our university, if not most years, the highest starting salary. I think this next year, given our new dean, given a new president at the helm of our university, we want to make the move towards an interdisciplinary approach so that when a student walks through the doors at Western, 
they aren't stuck between four different buildings figuring out who's going to have the best chance of placing them or what jobs are even available. And so rather when they walk through those doors, you could say, these are the areas of energy. These are the programs that touch those areas of energy, right? And instead of us looking at it from this and this, we look at it as an industry, industry yeah. and say, what's our best chance of getting students into that? And so this next year is going to be, we got our program to this, but now where do we go as a university? Is this still a great home for us? Yes, I love the school of business. I think the students that Western produces have a significantly different reputation than our other AAPL schools. And it's because they're sitting through negative 30 degree winters and showing up in classes, you know? Austin Eckler graduated out of our program and he signed with the Chargers and he kept flying back to finish his energy management degree. And it's because he knew there was a return on investment if he got injured next year or the year after that, right? And so I think the university is seeing that and I'm hopeful that the combination of our industry support and this spotlight on us internally makes us a more interdisciplinary program alongside our peer programs at the university, whether that's in the form of an energy center or it's simply in the form of saying traditional energy and landman skill sets will always be here and it will always be part of the conversation. And how do we secure that in higher education? We endow those positions. We make sure that no matter what happens with the next governor or the next president, our students are still able to achieve those skill sets, right? Brilliant. I mean, Gemma, it just makes me smile just thinking about this in terms of the setup, et cetera. It also makes me feel like I want to sit with Veronica and work out how do we get involved in this? How do we help? I mean, just listen to this, Gemma. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, the thing that you mentioned a little bit ago, Veronica, the alumni connect, and it's such a win-win scenario, right? Because I think alumni and people in the industry can give such a perspective to students who are a little bit uncertain around where they go next. And I can absolutely say that folks in the industry, when we meet young people who have those questions and maybe have some doubts about what to do next, there's just an energy and excitement and not to play on words here, but just create so much more kind of energy around that, right? It's so good to see that happen. It sounds like you guys have really gotten some success under your belts recently. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think you know, Jessica Lermy, the director, she is absolutely amazing. She's a phenomenal head of our program, but the work she does at an individual level with our students is like nobody I've ever experienced in higher education, right? And having her as my teammate to get us to this point as a program and really trying to place an emphasis on making sure we're producing students that are thinking globally, but acting locally, right? To be a little bit cliche, you know, as an industry, we should be thinking globally. We should be thinking about affordability and reliability and accessibility to energy, right? And if we aren't talking about all of the components, we're kind of doing an injustice to our next generation. And so just kind of working alongside her and learning from this industry, having not been part of it previous, learning from our groups of alumni, um, it's been a pretty exciting last few years, to say the least. So what about the next couple of years, Veronica? What do you see yourself doing? What would you like to do? Well, I love Take fishing. over the world, I think. Oh, fishing. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> the girl from Alaska is coming back. Fishing. Um, yeah, you know, I have loved this fundraising front. I have a significant track record in program growth and retention with programs. But I really, I don't see the next leg of my career being in higher education completely. I do think that the time I spend at golf tournaments and clay shoots and happy hours 
could also be done sitting on a boat, passing a rod and reel to somebody and asking them for money just the same, right? So I'm kind of looking at trying to make a move in the next couple of years to a dual position to fundraise on behalf of higher education to hopefully be a joint partner as an adjunct for this program. But all that being said, you know, I told Jessica two years ago, I didn't know how long I'd stay with the program. And I love working with her so much. I love every single new group of students is like a whole new endeavor to take on. And it's been pretty hard to kind of get rid of that piece of Western because I really have a lot of passion behind the university. You and can feel it. It's when I met you at NAEP. I think the energy, Jim, from Veronica just shone. And actually, if you'd seen the students that were with her were actually it was just shining through them as well i think veronica you're definitely set the bar high and i think definitely the students must be looking at you as a you know this is what i need to do and yeah it's outstanding i just find myself thinking about what more can we do as ibm as an industry as other partners i'm more than happy to get involved um if i can make that september 18th arrow is it arrowhead Arrowhead, yeah. I will definitely do that one. If not, I'll get some of the local IBM team to do that. Well, if you can make it out for it, Jason, anything you need on the front of the course, if you want to record something mid-golf oh, tournament, look at you. I don't care. Look at I'll you. figure it out for you. <laughs> okay, job done. <laughs> any, Jim, any last comments or questions? I mean, it's stunning, isn't it? It's outstanding to hear the numbers, what Veronica and the team are doing, and see these young people coming through to our energy industry. Yeah. The only thing I can say is how many podcasts have we done, uh, Jason, so many of these. And, you know, you take a look at the title, right? Energy Workforce of Tomorrow. And I think we've squarely hit it on the nose with this discussion with Veronica today. Yeah. And on that, Jim, I did say to Veronica, and I'm honest, why don't we set up a couple of podcasts where we can get the students to take over and do what we did a couple of years ago, Jim? We prep them, help them, but get them to run a couple of the podcasts, get it out there, get them to use it then for their own social stuff as well. I mean, Veronica, I'd be delighted to help on that one if I can do. I think it'd be great. And the student club, they absolutely love industry interaction. So, cool. And then Chevron, you mentioned Chevron earlier, but Chevron, didn't PDC just join Chevron or Chevron bought PDC? So there you go. You've got an even bigger link to Jim now as well. Isn't you, Jim? All the more reason to find my way up to Arrowhead on September. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them there, Veronica. <laughs> good, cool. good. Yeah, so we are rather lucky. We had both PDC and Chevron sitting on our private board here in Denver. And so Nick Brock out of Greeley for you guys. He's my right-hand man with Chevron, and he's pretty great. He's been a huge part of the PDC Energy Weekend as well. Cool. You know, just consistent partnerships. And there's eight people golfing for Chevron at the golf tournament. So it'd be great to loop both of you guys in. And I think it's already surpassed our most successful golf tournament to date. It's our 10th annual, and we're welcoming our largest class in a decade. So all around a reason to celebrate. Beautiful. And again, the other thing is, Veronica, if we can do anything in Houston, let's you and I and Jim talk, because there's a whole bunch of things that we do, events, et cetera, where we can at least include, expose, and put the right sort of connection with the clients and also ourselves. I would just even wonder, Jim, some of the work that we are doing with some clients Maybe we can share it with Veronica and get some of the students' inputs, etc., for experience. I think so. I mean, it's one of those things where I think the idea of a job and kind of having some experience and maybe, you know, getting your hands dirty a little bit and getting involved just really creates that emotional attach and just brings it a little bit closer to home. So I think it's, again, one of those things where it's a win-win opportunity. Veronica, just a thought, if some of the listeners are out there and wondering how to contact you or Western Colorado, what's the best way to do it? 
Is it just online? Is it Western Colorado University or? Yeah, so I would say Western Colorado University and then our energy management program and specifically, but I also have no issue with you attaching my email to any form of posting. So people can reach out to me directly. Like I said, I'm kind of a unique position. I work for the university, but I'm yeah. housed out here on the front range. And as you know, I travel around. <laughs> so let me do that. I'll put, Veronica, if you're okay with that, I'll put your details in at least LinkedIn and the Western Colorado University details in the show notes as well. And that's it. You've totally sort of brought a whole bunch of energy to this. Thank you very much, Veronica. I look forward to working with you this year in this class and see what we can do. I think that's a great challenge. Jim, any last words? No, Veronica, thanks for your time and congratulations on your successes. Yeah, well, thank you both. Any interaction I've had with you, Jason, I've really appreciated to date. And it was so nice meeting you, Jim. And looking forward to this next year. We'll get you looped in. So I like it. So thank you, folks. If you're listening to this and you want to be the next Veronica, you can either join Western Colorado University or if you actually want to join us in the podcast, get a hold of us in the show notes. But thank you. That's all. Uh, check out. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. Oh,